0: We're going to read this, if you have your Bibles, open up to Acts chapter 1. This is uh, right around the 40-day the mark um, from when Jesus was resurrected. These are the last words that the person of Jesus actually spoke um, to, to people before the ascension into heaven. So if in, in Acts chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 3. says, "'During the 40 days after he suffered and died, "'he appeared to the apostles from time to time, "'and he proved to them in many ways "'that he was actually alive. "'He talked to them about the kingdom of God. "'Once he was eating with them, he commanded them, "'do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you "'the gift he promised. "'As I told you before, John baptized with water, "'but in just a few days, "'you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit.'" So, when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him. He just, I'm oh, just gonna give a little comment. He just told them that something was coming beyond something they could possibly imagine. And then they said this They kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free, free Israel and restore our kingdom? They're still stuck on that. They're still stuck on what they think the Messiah was supposed to do, the disciples, the ones who walked with him, who saw him come back to life, right? They were in despair when he had died. They had fresh revelation. They saw the things that he had said come true, that he would tear down the temple and rebuild it in three days. He was talking about himself. They saw him work, and they're still asking, when are you gonna come and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive... See, he just kind of dismissed that in such a way that only Jesus could without it being rude. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's like, hey, I get it that you still want this. There's actually something better than you could possibly imagine. Still, he has an invitation into something that is beyond comprehension. He says this, he says... But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Everyone say witnesses. You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. So he dismisses their question in only a way that Jesus can. And he says to them something very important. And then he just is gone. I tried to channel my inner Matt. He does the best sound effects I've ever heard. (laughs) In the time frame here, they they go and, and, and they just start praying. They gather people and the Holy Spirit does come. Right. We we call that the day of Pentecost, that the spirit of God came and it fell upon them like tongues of fire. And they went out and they began to witness to the name of Jesus. And people were freaking out and they were just looking around. Some people thought they were drunk. And Peter's like, actually, no. And he starts to preach the gospel of the kingdom and he starts to tell them that they are the ones, the same people that Jesus fed, the same people that Jesus healed, became the same people that mocked Jesus, that crucified him, and Peter looks to them and he says, you crucified him, and they're like, oh my gosh, this is absolutely true, and the spirit of God began to move, and God added 3,000 people, and thus started the formation of what we call the church from this movement, and it was powerful. And we pick up the story in Acts chapter two, before I get there, this is actually the vision that we have for our church. We're calling this Vision Sunday. What what do we want to do as a church? What kind of church do we want to be? What kind of things do we want to accomplish? Through Cross Point Community Church right here in Jefferson, in, in Whitewater, in Milton, in, in Johnson Creek, in Fort Atkinson, in Helenville, in Sullivan, and all of the places that our community affects, what kind of church do we want to be? Now, I can stand here and I could probably come up with some really good ideas and some really good programs, and those aren't bad. And we're going to get into that because, because I believe God can work through those and those can be foundations and building blocks, but that's not what this is actually about. We'll get into that later, but, but really what I think this is about is culture. Are we going to have a culture? Are we going to be a culture of people that stands on the Word of God and does what God tells us to do? Amen? That's, that's really this, what this is about. Can we, can we take the things that, that God has done, that God is doing in and through us, and can we be the kind of people that will actually walk out in that authority, that Jesus gave and it's about culture it's about cultivating the presence of God right where we're at and we actually have a good road map I'm gonna read to you Acts chapter 2 this is right after uh, Peter preaches and, and people get saved 3,000 people are added to the church that day the Spirit of God moves and then this happens this culture uh, of godliness moves in these people in a way that it could not before or would not before, but what we see them moving in Acts chapter 2. It says, They were continually and faithfully devoting themselves to the instruction of the apostles and to fellowship and to eating meals together, amen, and to prayers. A sense of awe was felt by everyone, and many wonders and signs attesting to miracles were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed in Jesus as Savior were together. They had all things in common, considering their possessions to belong to the group as a whole. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing the proceeds with all other believers as anyone had need. Day after day, they met in the temple area, continuing with one mind and breaking bread in various private homes. They were eating their meals together with joy and generous hearts, praising God continually and having favor with all the people. And the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were being saved. You guys, that's it. That's the culture we want here at Cross Point. This isn't just something that we read about that was. 2000 years ago and it can't exist. No, we actually are preaching this because we believe that God can actually do this now, that we can have the kind of church right now in Jefferson, Wisconsin, that can see people added daily to the number of those who are being saved. And we actually believe that other churches in this city can do that as well. This isn't just about building the church of point. It's about building God's kingdom. And we would get focused off uh, when God is going to restore our kingdom and begin to focus on what he's going to do about his kingdom. Amen. Come on. Amen. And so there are six things here. Uh, I'm sure you weren't ready for a six point message right after Easter, but, 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 but lock in with me because these things are really, really important. They're things that we've talked about to varying degrees, but honestly, this is how we start the foundation of a culture of people who walk out Acts chapter 2 in 2021. Amen. And so the first thing is this, is that they are devoted to learning the Word of God. They're not just devoted to reading the Word of God. That's amazing. That's important. They're not just devoted to coming to church and hearing the word of God. That's awesome. I love seeing all of your faces, kind of. (laughs) They're devoted to learning it. They're devoted to learning it, right? This is what it says here. It says, they were continually and faithfully devoting themselves to the instruction of the apostles. In Acts chapter 17, it says this, starting in verse 11. It says, now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. Thessalonica. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed and also did a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. You see, what happens when you devote yourself to, to learning God's word and studying God's word As you begin to believe, actually, the Bible says in Romans that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What I love about this is that there is a very clear and specific devotion to understanding the things of God and to understanding the things that God already said. I'm going to be really honest with you guys. I I love hearing feedback from you. It makes me so happy when you guys think that I did a good job. What would make me really, really, really pumped is if you came with questions. If you actually questioned what I taught and didn't just accept it. And a couple of you do that, and it makes me really excited. Because the, the Berean Jews heard something that Paul said and they actually they went and they're like that sounds different than what I've heard and at this point in time the only thing that people were understanding was from the pharisees from the religious leaders and they had been taught something their whole lives Paul's message the apostle's message was vastly different than what they had been hearing growing up and so they studied it themselves And upon study of the word of God, upon learning with the power of the Holy Spirit, right? The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will teach you all things. There's no better teacher than the Holy Spirit. He's a way better teacher than I'll ever be. And everybody said, amen, please. (laughs) If you are counting on me to be your Holy Spirit, I will fail you miserably. That's not my job. And these these young believers, they they understood that. The relationship with God through his word was so powerful, and they devoted themselves to learning it. And once more, they devoted themselves to doing it. Amen. And it began to be the foundation of how the church was built. The second, uh, listen to this before I move on. Uh, The instructions of the Lord are perfect. This is Psalm 19. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The degrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The law of the Lord are true. True. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold. Even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey. Even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant and a great reward for those who obey them. Get in and learn. Be devoted to learning God's word. The second thing is this. They were devoted to fellowship with each other. Now, if you take the word fellowship and you break it all the way down in the Greek and the Hebrew, it's actually a word that can't happen without God in the center. Fellowship is is not just hanging out with friends. Hanging out with friends is amazing. I like to do that. But fellowship has a deeper purpose. Fellowship has to do with us being together inside of God's presence. And they were devoted to it in Acts chapter 2. This is why we want you to be in small groups, not just for a program, but so you could be around people who love Jesus and can encourage you to love Jesus, amen? This is why it's so important. It says this in Hebrews. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And look, I I get it. COVID-19 has kind of made it more difficult to be around, to be present. There's still a lot of fear. There's still a lot of stuff going on. There's, There's still a lot of things happening, but it's almost over to be honest. I'm praying that in Jesus' name that a post-COVID reality is upon us. My question to you is when we get into that time and into that space, and maybe it's never gonna be exactly like it once was and that's okay, that's not what I'm expecting. And if it's different and harder to be around people and to have fellowship in the Lord, are you gonna fight for that fellowship? Are you gonna fight for it? Or are you going to allow covid-19 to take over the rest of your life? I'm not I'm not willing to do that, you guys. And the fact that you're here tells me that you're not willing to do that either. We need to fight for this. This is this is actually how we get Christian godly accountability. And I think don't check out when you hear the word accountability because I think what a lot of people think accountability is is sin management, and that's not what accountability actually is. True accountability, good accountability is actually spurring each other on to good works and righteousness and godliness. You need friends in your life who are actually following Jesus and actually talking about the things that God's doing in their life. How many of you guys get, when somebody tells you a, a godly thing, something that God showed them, something that God did in them, how many of you, it just revs you up and you're like, I want that. Come on. That's accountability. Right? You can clap for that. I appreciate that. Come on. That's how God designed us to be. Amen. That's how God designed us to be. The third thing here, and I think this is, this is kind of a crux point as well, is that they were devoted to prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 Never stop praying. He's praying right now. <laughs> Never stop. If things are hard, pray. If you don't know what to do next, pray. If things are awesome, Pray, give thanks, never stop praying. Jim simbala I'm not sure if I said that right. He says this, he says, no matter what I preach or what we claim to believe in our heads, the future will depend upon our times of prayer. Charles Spurgeon said, the condition of the church may be very accurately gauged by its prayer meetings. So, the prayer meeting is a graceometer, and from it we may judge the amount of divine working among a people. If God be near a church, it must pray. And if he be not near, one of the first tokens of his absence will be a slothfulness in prayer. That hit kind of heavy, didn't it? It hit me kind of heavy just reading it. This is not a condemnation thing. I was reading a book. It was about uh, a church in New York City, and and the pastor wrote that he had a, a speaker come up, and they were they were wanting to move, and they were wanting to see God move in their place. and And the speaker said in the book, he said, "You're going to see how popular your pastor is by how many people show up on Sunday." you're going to see how popular God is by how many people show up to pray. Come on. We need to be a church that prays. This isn't a program there. You don't need a program to pray. You just need to do it. You just need to ask God what he wants. You just need to, to, to give the things that you need or want to God, put it in his hands and just pray. He promises to show up. He promises to heal the land of those who are humble and that would pray. Honestly, church, I'm committing to you guys right now that I would be a man of prayer. I pray for you guys daily. I pray for our church. I pray for our city. On Wednesdays, I come, uh, I drive to Jefferson. I just drive around the city and I just pray for the city. I actually started doing that in Johnson Creek and in Fort Atkinson too, because I know we have people who are watching online from those cities. I know we have people that are sitting in this room for those cities. It's not just about Jefferson. It's about every area that God wants to touch in our sphere of influence. And so I just pray I'm committing to you guys to be a man of prayer. Honestly, I can't teach enough. I can't do enough on my own strength to do any of the things that God wants to do, but he can. And so I'm on my face seeking those things. And I know that some of you out there are doing that even more than me. Would we be a church that commits to prayer? Would we be a church that commits to prayer? The fourth thing here is that they were a church devoted to generosity. Can we be a church devoted to generosity? Honestly, I'm preaching to the choir, but here you guys are great at giving. You guys are fabulous givers inspiring. It says this, uh, Spurgeon again, he says, show me someone who cares about God's people and I will show you someone who loves God. Show me someone who says they deeply love God, but has little concern for his people. And I will show you someone who is spiritually delusional. I'm sorry. That's not Spurgeon. That's Jim Cimbala again. I, I'm my notes said Spurgeon. It's okay. Here's what Matthew said. It says, wherever your treasure is, there is the desires of your heart will be also. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Can we be a church devoted to giving? Not, Not just giving in our tithes and offerings, but above that. When you see a stranger in need, would you help them? When you're out dining at a restaurant and you have a rude waiter, would you show them God's love by tipping them really, really well anyway? I saw that face by a couple of you like, oof. (laughs) For God so loved the world that he gave. If we're called to be like Jesus, I think we need to do it with our hands open. I'll tell you guys this story. I was I was in a rush. I was late for a meeting with somebody. I pulled up the the car was on empty, and it was probably my fault. But I'm like, who leaves the car on empty when you've got to do something soon? And so I go to the gas station, and I begin to to put gas in my car. And and a, a gentleman comes up to me and he says, "Hey, man!" and 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 he. Smelt like he had been doing drugs, if I'm being honest, and, and he was just down, down and out. He's just down and out. His car was, had broken down at the gas pump, and he asked me if I had um, some jumper cables. And I was like, I, I don't have jumper cables. I checked. I didn't. And I was just like, hey, man, good luck. You know, <laughs> I'm really sorry. Good luck. And I got in my car after I pumped gas, and I drove, and I got to... The, the entrance, right? Like if I go out any further, I'm in the road. And I felt the Lord tell me to turn around and buy jumper cables. And I was just like, all right, God. So I put the car in reverse. I probably looked crazy. Put the car in reverse. I go park, and I go inside, and there's one set of jumper cables. I buy them, I bring them out. The guy's panicking. He's about ready to break down, crying. I said, hey, man, I bought these for you. Pulled my car around. Let's, let's jump this real quick. I jumped his car, and he just started crying, wept. He said, thank you. I said, I want you to know that I, I didn't just do this to be nice. I, I'm doing this because God actually sees you, and he cares about you. I'm not actually telling you this story so that you think I did something great because I would have just left the guy. <laughs> okay? Like I, I, would, I was on my way out. God help him, goodbye. That, that's where my heart was. And he began to share with me that, that he just got out of prison and no one would give him a chance. If he was late for a job interview, he wasn't gonna get this job. He said, man, you saved me today. I was like, no, not me. (laughs) God cares for him. And he used the willingness of somebody's generosity to show it. Would you be a church that's generous? That's our vision. That's the culture we want to build. And that goes right along with this. Would we be devoted to being influential? It says they were eating their meals together with joy and generous hearts, praising God continually and having favor with all the people. See, church, when we do the things that God is doing and when we are obedient to the Holy Spirit in a way that's generous, that's life-giving, that's coming from a place of revelation of Christ, people begin to notice. And we can step into the calling that we have in whatever context that means. And it is going to influence people for the sake of Jesus. It's going to. People begin to celebrate God even without knowing him. And the church understood that favor. They were influential in their community. I think the most influential people in the context of today's community need to be the people who believe in Jesus. But unfortunately, the reality today is that the people that are the most influential are on social media. They actually call them influencers. We actually have the power in Jesus' name to break that and to reverse that curse. Amen? You guys can be powerfully influential in the context of your community right now, and none of you should have TikTok to do it. None of you should have, need Facebook to do it. None of you should need whatever. I don't even know all of the things that are out there. I don't use most of them, but you don't need that to do it. You need the Spirit of God moving that you would be generous, prayerful, mindful, repentant, considerate of other people around you especially in the context of where you work, where you habitate daily, that you would be influential at your establishment of work, (laughs) that you would be influential in your homes, that you would be influential in your community. This is a calling that God has for us because we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. It says this, Proverbs three says, my child never forget the things that I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your hearts. Then you will find favor with both God and people and you will earn a good reputation. Would we be a church that is dedicated, devoted to being influential in our sphere of influence, in our community, in the space that God has entrusted us to, whatever it may be? And lastly, would we be a church that seeks revival? Would we be a church that sees All of these great things, not just as humanitarian acts, but as a means to advance the kingdom of God. It says that the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who are being saved. That's amazing. I honestly, church, if I did not believe this could happen, I wouldn't be standing in front of you preaching today. I'm naive enough to think that it doesn't have to get worse before it gets better. That doesn't say, it doesn't say anything about that in the Bible. It does not say it will get worse before it gets better. It says that the road is narrow. I, I believe that. It even says that in the end, the love of many will grow cold. I, I believe that, but the, your love doesn't have to grow cold. Their love doesn't have to grow cold. I actually believe that revival can happen right now. I actually believe that God is not done doing the things that he promised to his people. I believe that God is doing something amazing. Oop, that kind of hurt. Acts chapter 8 says, many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims. And many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. See, the church was a force for good. It's recorded in the book of Acts, but it was a, it was a force for good and it began to spark Revival. In Acts chapter 9, we read this. It says, Meanwhile, Peter traveled from place to place, and he came down to visit the believers in the town of Lydia. There he met a man named Aeneas, who had been paralyzed and bedridden for eight years. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up. Roll up your sleeping mat. And he was healed instantly. Listen to this. The whole population of Lydia and Sharon saw Aeneas walking around and they turned to the Lord. You guys, it doesn't just have to be healing. If we become a church devoted to all of the things that God has, we become a church that looks like Acts chapter two, God will move and this city will turn to the Lord. Fort Atkinson will turn to the Lord. Johnson Creek will turn to the Lord. Milton will turn to the Lord. Not just some people, the whole city. It can happen. I believe it can happen. Maybe I'm alone in believing that can happen, but but I really don't think I am. And, and, And honestly, this is what we're talking about, a culture, a church, a group of people dedicated to seeing the move of God happen in the context of where they're at right now. Do you believe this can happen, church? Come on, do you believe this can happen? Do you believe that God can move in such a way that we see people coming to Christ every day, that the whole city sees what God is doing, whether healings, whether generosity, whether just praying for things to happen supernaturally, that the whole city would turn and worship Jesus? I'm gonna be honest, I, the reason this needs to be a culture is because I can't be the only one that believes that. God wants to use you. Honestly, he probably wants to use you more than he wants to use me. I'm just the one here telling you about it. Our cities need a force for good. We need to change these places for Christ. Our church Our world desperately needs a church from Acts 2 right now. What would it look like today? What would that look like? Last week, uh, we went down to Chicago, our staff did, and we heard from a guest speaker about evangelism. His name is Rick Richardson. He actually believes that there's a huge harvest of lost souls coming on the other side of covid And he believes that the local church has the ability to make a large eternal impact in the days ahead. We wouldn't be preaching again, we wouldn't be preaching this if we didn't think it was possible. And as a church, as a staff, as a a group of leaders, our board, our executive board, our our teams of people, we've just been meeting and, and we've been looking at what do we need to do as a church moving forward? We've been asking the question, God, what do you want to do right now?